people this is cinema snobs coming to you with uh one of its hosts christopher sneed and as always i am joined with aaron o'banion who i like to call professor o'banion he has a great wealth of knowledge and he's going to be sharing some of that knowledge with you today um (laughs) how have you been i've been doing pretty well chris how about yourself i have been doing well as well um, just a little under the weather during the holidays, but um, have, yeah. have bounced back, um, and uh, everything's everything's peachy. Good. So, and what a way to come back from the holidays um, than to uh, jump into crazy artists because that's kind of <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of our uh, theme <laughs> this time. Yeah. So today we're going to be looking at um, an older movie called Hour of the Wolf. Mm -hmm. Um, This movie was uh, made in 1968 and um, we'll get into the who's and and what's and why's here in a minute, but but it should be an interesting discussion. Um, Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that'll be our review. And then you chose, what did you choose for us for our uh, top five list? Well, to go along with that movie, I chose uh, top five tortured artists. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, since Hour of the Wolf centers around an artist who uh, is going through um, a bit of a crisis. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice way to put it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, one of the things I realized after you gave, uh, after you assigned this top five list was I always learn something whenever we do these top five lists, always. Mm-hmm. And this time I learned that I have not watched a lot of tortured artist movies Oh yeah, that I probably should have watched. Um, there were a few that I just, it's been so long, um, some older ones, but yeah, uh, but we'll get into that later, uh, later on, uh, First, we're going to uh, start with our review. Yeah, Hour of the Wolf again. Like I said, it's a 1968 film. It's been it's had a couple of different descriptions. Some some call it a thriller. I've seen it listed as a psychological horror, mm-hmm. um, it, uh, uh, surreal horror. I think was another term I saw. Yeah. Um, so obviously, people have sort of taken away different things and have had. Uh, a fun time trying to figure out uh, what kind of movie this is. Right. Um, but it is directed by Ingmar Bergman. Yeah. And uh, also stars a fairly well-known actor. I say fairly well-known. Most people probably should know him. Uh, Max mm-hmm. Max von, how do you say his last name? Sado? I say Sadow. Sadow. Yeah. And for those for those listening, if you don't know who that is by name uh you could probably think about the older priest in the exorcist yeah um he was also in one of the star wars movies yes he's in the force awakens at the very 
beginning. Yeah. Um, which he would be much older in that one than yes <laughs> than he is in this one. But yeah. Um, but yeah, if you see him, I'm I'm almost certain any moviegoer would know him by name or by face. Yeah. So, had you seen this movie before? I had not seen it before. Okay. So. Um, no, I I've seen um, I haven't seen too many Bergman films. Mm-hmm. Um, just two or three others, so I'm not super familiar with him. Okay. Um. I hadn't either, and I sort of just chose it by the description and by the era, because um, mm-hmm. sometimes I like to jump around uh, with the movies I select and, and try to learn more about the era of those films. But um, what was your overall? I'm I'm pulling an Aaron question out just because I'm, <laughs> I'm curious. But what's what's your overall impression of the movie without jumping into details yet? Right. Um, well, this was a kind of a challenging viewing for me okay um and i think it's a a challenging film um it's very existential and uh haunting and um oftentimes bizarre um and yeah i i was having trouble really um, getting a grasp on what it all meant. And, um, I think that, um, uh, probably throughout this review, I'm going to be saying, I don't know what that means <laughs> quite a bit. Um, that'll be my phrase for the day. Um, okay. but, um, yeah, I, I thought, um, uh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't dislike the film by any means, but it was just, um, it was one that kind of left me scratching my head a little bit okay, and wondering, you know, if I could make sense of it or if it's even, um, you know, if you're even intended to take away a, a clear message from it at all, mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, that's, I mean, that's my brief um, summary on that, um, first impressions. Um, but I'm curious what uh, what you thought of it. Um, sort of the same. Uh, there, mm-hmm. there were definitely some puzzling uh, scenes and... Um, and trying to piece together what was what was actually happening. I mean, I I have some theories which we'll get into as we get further along. But um, but yeah, it was it's it's one that if you care enough, you'd probably have to watch a couple of times. Yeah. Um, probably if anybody were listening to this review as we go through things, you know, kind of it may help to listen to maybe what we talk about and then go watch it. Mm-hmm. I don't know um, if if it bothers you like being completely confused through a movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like I like the I like putting puzzles together and trying to uh, trying to understand things. So for me, it was kind of um, kind of enjoyable in its in its um, obscurity and confusion. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but. Um, 
yeah, let's go ahead and and talk about uh, the details of the film um, as, yeah. as much as we understood anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so for um, listeners, just a brief rundown of the plot. Uh, it's about a... Um, let's see. I'll just read this right off of IMDb. Um, while vacationing on a remote Scandinavian island with his younger pregnant wife, an artist has an emotional breakdown while confronting his repressed desires. Um, now that still probably doesn't tell you a whole lot about (laughs) the movie. Um, (laughs) but it's a, it's a starting point anyways. Um, so yeah, it, it starts off, um, the movie starts off really in kind of a meta way um, with the opening credits. You're hearing audio of uh, of the filmmakers, mm-hmm. like uh, putting a shot together. And after that, the opening of the film has the uh, lead actress Liv Ullman uh, kind of breaking the fourth wall, talking straight to the camera for um it's like a two or three minute take really um and so i i don't know what that is meant to symbolize or if it's meant to symbolize anything mm-hmm. um you know what it reminded me of what's that it reminded me of found footage movies Oh, yeah. Like right off the bat, it reminded me of uh, sort of intentionally breaking the fourth wall, sort of immersing you in um, this documentary style yeah, um, opening, uh, which I was kind of, I was, I was, I watch a lot of found footage movies. Mm-hmm. And so I was thrown back by it because it's such an older movie and they were doing something intentionally or not they were doing something that uh was way before its time i think i don't know that i've seen that in any other movie prior to the found footage wave yeah yeah it's true i hadn't thought about that that makes sense yeah yeah i um i thought that overall the the movie looked really nice and it's it has a lot of memorable um a lot of memorable imagery to it um Mm -hmm. and it is let's see i want to get the cinematographer's name it's sven nykvist i hope i'm saying that correctly um but i think he worked with bergman uh quite a bit and uh went on to work with some work in Hollywood a bit as well. Hmm. Um, had a pretty lengthy career. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's very, very atmospheric. There's a lot of, um, lots of shadowy scenes, uh, that, that are very kind of, ex- um, expressionistic and, um, fits the kind of, psychological state of the main character Mm -hmm. um so i thought that was all uh, technically it was all very well done um and the 
especially uh, I guess the sequence that stood out um, maybe the most to me in terms of the cinematography was uh, and this is kind of jumping ahead a bit but the uh, big dinner at the mm. castle mm-hmm. um, that was a more showy sequence um, as far as camera movement goes and um, I mean there's one shot of it uh, of the camera going completely around the dinner table which I um, love that yeah that was a cool shot um, and just the, the camera work in general there is very quick there's a lot of um, close ups mm-hmm. and the camera kind of goes back and forth between different people very quick um and it creates this very kind of oppressive feel Mm -hmm. um which again kind of echoes the the um thoughts of the main character so yeah I, i liked that sequence um maybe the most out of the film hmm it was a it was a thought it was a very good effective scene in general yeah um which well keep going you're probably getting into it um well no, no go ahead uh that was that was my thought on on the camera work there yeah i was just thinking you know that um as the movie went on, it was sort of like, um, I liked how consistent it was through there. I've seen some movies, more modern movies where, um, sort of like they use their best shots in the trailer, or maybe they start off in the movie with some really cool things. And then it just becomes, uh, rather sedated, Mm -hmm. um, in the creativity department and setting up the shots. Um, nothing special as far as composition. And in this one, I, I thought it maintained through the end. I was thinking my favorite shot was probably actually more towards the end when our main character heads back to the castle um, uh-huh. for the quote-unquote second party or second gathering. Yeah. Um, and there's a scene where he's... Um, oh, he's running through this dark ish hallway and there's obviously like some huge windows and the light coming through them you see shadows Mm -hmm. and it sort of plays back and forth between shots of him and then things being shadowy and there's a there's a series of shots where he stands at a window and this black crow uh hits against the window Mm -hmm. and then we cut to like a wall where we see the bird but then he moves in front of it or his shadow moves in front of it. And it's the way it was shot and lined up. It was almost as if the shadow transformed from the crow to him. Uh, I don't know if you remember that scene. Um, Yeah, I I remember that scene. Um, Yeah. I don't, I don't know if if I remember that exact shot. It's been probably over a week since I've seen the film. (laughs) So I'm a little, a little removed from it. Fair enough. um, But yeah, yeah, I liked that second um, whenever he goes back to the castle as well. Yeah. Because essentially what's... Well, do you want to talk story now, inter, like intertwined in what we're talking about, or do you want to wait and save that for kind of its own 
uh, we can kind of discussion. intertwine some story okay. into this. Yeah, that'd okay. be good. Well, I was just, uh, for our listeners, um, this is somewhat spoiler territory as usual, but yeah, um, this character and his wife are, have, you know, who are supposedly out there for um, sort of to, to be alone or to... Um, have mm-hmm. have this respite are approached by these people um after and this is weird because he's talking about these people at one moment um as if they're apparitions or monsters or yeah um he's he's doubting and, and uh his sanity comes into question uh throughout the movie actually um mm-hmm. and so we're not when when we talk about not knowing what's going on or what things are supposed to mean, the movie really does sort of um, avoid being, avoid answering any questions directly. Yeah. Um, so we assume that they've gone to this party and we assume that he's just a little off because his behavior has become more and more um, unstable and uncomfortable as as time goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, f- and uh, they attend this party scene that Aaron talked about with the fancy camera work, uh, the really yeah. nice camera shots. Um, and over time, I sort of got, well, I don't want to stray too far from, from uh, what we're talking about with the cinematography and everything, unless you're finished with that part. No, I, I think I'm finished with that. Um, I love black and white movies because of what they can do with cinematography. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just things that you do with shadow. I mean, you can do it with, with a color, obviously, uh, uh, s- color cinema. But with black and white, you there's always s- some interesting things with shadows mm-hmm. um, and framing that you can't get with the color. Right. Um, and that's why I love it. And I think this is a prime example of one of those, visually prime example of one of those mm-hmm. uh, things. Like the, uh, one of my, one of my, I, I hate to use the word favorite because of what it entails, but the scene where the, where he's fishing and the little boy is right there with him. Um, the fact that that shot's a little more, uh, a little more exposed. Mm-hmm. Um, the exposure on it's a little higher. Uh, it's, it's, it has a different feel to it. Yeah. Um, than the rest of the movie. Um, and even sort of, if I'm not mistaken, it was kind of of the first moment that the camera sort of, or maybe the editing did something a little surreal when it sped up that one little shot. Right. Um, it just got really bizarre in that moment. Yeah. Um, and I felt like it fit with the rest of the theme of not knowing what's going on. Cause he's telling a story about um, telling mm-hmm. his wife, this story about him fishing and the little boy and, and all this. But at the end of the story, there's no validation that it's real. Right. Uh, or if he dreamt it or if it really happened. Yeah. Uh, and the camera work sort of um, supports supports that confusion Mm -hmm. so um but yeah i i agree with you it's a it's a very interesting and intriguing movie to watch visually yeah yeah definitely 
Um, yeah, and, and like you said, the movie does not, um, definitely doesn't spoon feed you any <laughs> answers. Um, it leaves things very, very ambiguous. And um, I mean, I could, I could see that frustrating a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't say that I was frustrated by it exactly, but um, I don't know. I think it left me a little bit, um, oh, a little bit cold on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like, um, I mean, I like some movies like that 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 are um, kind of cryptic and. I mean, I like uh, some David Lynch films. I like mm. Mulholland Drive and Blue mm. Velvet and things like that. So um, I'm not I'm not opposed to it by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, I, I guess I just wasn't sure what what the takeaway was supposed to be. Yeah. So. Um, do you want to talk about um, performances for a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I thought um, I thought it was very well acted, mm-hmm. um, especially by the leads, um, Max von Sydow and Liv Ullman. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they both did a very good job um, kind of just portraying that downward spiral that they go down um and um uh, Liv Ullman I liked she's really um probably the most well maybe the only like really sympathetic character yes um in the film um and um so i think you're kind of kind of on her side a bit more absolutely um but um yeah the supporting cast are all um suitably uh creepy <laughs> <laughs> for uh what they for what they have to do mm-hmm. um and they bring a a really strong presence to to their scenes and um the um i don't know the the guy's name but the uh, one of the people in the castle who um he does that that uh puppet show i guess you'd call it yes yeah that guy is really creepy looking oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, um, in fact, yeah. that whole puppet show scene was just bizarre for some reason. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't know, yeah, what to make of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I I guess they're in that scene talking about um, talking about artists and um, I guess what it means to be an artist to some degree mm-hmm. um and i didn't know if it had something to do with that um i don't know yeah <laughs> yeah but um yeah that was a very 
odd moment in the film and um yeah he was especially i thought just very very striking you know i wonder because a lot of a lot of what happens in the movie is sort of a manipulation of Johan's mm-hmm. character and i yeah. wonder if that was sort of a, just another um as far as the director goes, it was mm-hmm. it, it sort of emphasized that manipulation that he's the puppet. Yeah, I um, think that's I think that's on the right track for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I wonder if for them, for the characters, if it was almost sort of a um, ritualistic hypnotism, if you will. Uh, mm. Just sort of something that something bizarre because everything was so small mm-hmm. and was drawing you in as you watched. Uh, she's the wife seemed to be the one that the camera focused on, though. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. But anyway, just a thought. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, uh, what uh, what were your thoughts on the the performances overall? Um, yeah, I concur. I, Liv Ullman, uh, her character reminded me a lot of, in fact, the movies reminded me a lot of, um, oh, Rosemary's Baby, Mia Farrow, yeah. um, yep. Jennifer Lawrence to a lesser degree and Mother. Yeah, I thought of Mother while watching this for sure. Yeah, um, same kind of, same kind of setup and, and, um, um, sim- uh, I, I don't want to use the word symbolism because I'm not sure there was symbolism, but uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how far that went into it. But uh, her performance was as uh, gentle and uh, mm. sympathetic as those, I think. Yeah. Um, and I thought uh, Max as Johan was... A very solid, um, solid character. I felt the weight of his, you know, emotion and um, mm-hmm. and nothing, nothing in the movie, especially with our main character. There's a wonderful contrast because nothing with our main characters is is overdone in any way. Everything's very, um, uh, very. Uh, oh, what's the word? Um, Mm, more naturalistic or more natural more internal um where the other characters at the castle are a little bit overboard they're a little bit more um, flash and bang which is a wonderful contrast Mm -hmm. um and i thought that they did a for the most part they did a good job of uh fully committing to those those bizarre roles I I actually, uh, as far as those characters go, I really liked the lady who played Veronica, uh, which was yeah. the love interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name was Ingrid Thullen, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really liked her performance, uh, sort of as the, the bait for um, Johan. Yeah. Um, she lets her crazy flag fr- uh, flag fly at the end. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I, I thought she was good and stood out to me as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But uh, very, very solid performances. They kept they kept me engaged. Mm-hmm. 
I guess one one idea that is brought up in the movie a couple of times is um, the idea that um, couples become more and more alike one another mm-hmm. um, over time. And um, I didn't know if... I, I assume that is meant to be kind of a a theme in the movie and um i don't know if that is supposed to be um a big takeaway from from the film so i didn't know if that um that kind of played into uh what you thought might be a message of the film or um played into some other aspects of it or not that's a good point um because i think that's the last thing she talks about actually like before the yeah. movie isn't, isn't that kind of right there at the end i think yeah it, it happens um early on in the film and then yeah i think right at the end yeah um yeah, I think that's there's definitely some significance in that, and I want one of the things that it made me think was that uh, as we're, I think it added to the uh, is he crazy or not, mm-hmm. um, and then wondering if she had maybe gone a little off in loving mm-hmm. him, trying to trying to be there for him and support him and love him and had subscribed to his insanity. Yeah. Um, as far as a theme goes, I don't know. I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah. So it's, it's possible. I, I'm afraid it's just one of those things I'd have to watch the movie again. Um, yeah. Which that's probably going to be my, um, catchphrase for this episode <laughs> yours is yeah. i don't know and i'm like i'll have to watch it again <laughs> yeah so, so um uh, yeah multiple viewings um are definitely a requirement for this i would think yeah um it's uh and i think i think at some point i would be interested in watching it again um mm-hmm. i think that i would um get a little bit more out of it that way yeah because this is one of those movies when you start watching because you don't know what's going on and the plot or the synopsis you read really doesn't tell you anything right and it's one of those movies yeah where you're you're so not expecting anything that happens Mm -hmm. that your brain doesn't really have time to uh process it all yeah uh, it's not just one little mystery that you're trying to put the pieces together on. It's like a whole movie of <laughs> mysteries <laughs> and puzzle pieces. And, yeah. um, and I, I'm sure some of them don't fit some of the, you know, one of the things I'm learning as we continue to review movies is that, uh, sometimes some things just don't mean anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh but it'd be it would be if you're that if you do enjoy those kind of movies that would make it fun to watch Mm -hmm. to to try to watch to to pick apart and analyze yeah with with that uh what did you 
did you have an impression or did you lean one way or the other as far as deciphering um, the people at the castle? Um, in terms of whether they are real or or not or yeah yeah um well i guess i i was left really not knowing one way or the other um and maybe that's maybe that's just the way it's intended to be mm -hmm. um or you can just read it either way and either way is correct mm -hmm. um so yeah, I um, I was really left not knowing um what to think about about their existence. Um but um uh, I mean I suppose I would uh if I had to choose, I guess I would choose that they um are probably not real mm -hmm. um and the the wife has just also fallen into her husband's um kind of delusions and um right just goes ahead and goes ahead and sees them as well but um it could just as easily go the other <laughs> way so <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's um yeah if i if i were going to give credit i w i would think as far as a movie like that goes this one was better than some of the ones i've watched that try to do that mhm mm um just because i truly am interested in what happens to these people yeah um but i also thought here was another thought you know i mentioned that um the opening reminded me a lot of found footage Right. Um, and if I were to approach this movie the same way I did Blair Witch Project, mm -hmm. I think it's easier to digest. And how I approach Blair Witch Project, a lot of people didn't like it. And I think the reason they didn't like it is because there was no uh, typical story structure, beginning, a middle and end, you know, yeah. a, a three act story. Um, yeah. It was literally a puzzle piece to a bigger story that we'll never know. Mm -hmm. As if you had actually wandered out and come across, uh, come across a tape. Right. Um, and this movie, if I were to approach it that same way, because the whole, the whole opening is about her going, I don't know what's happened to my husband. Uh, he just mm -hmm. disappeared. And then they go, here are the events that led up to his disappearance. Right. Um, and if I were to approach it just as an outsider who wasn't watching a movie and was literally like coming in and asking her this question, hey, what's your deal? Um, I find it a little bit easier to digest because when, um, you know, you hear um, spooky stories sometimes or um, especially with disappearances, you hear creepy things, you know, a car was found on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. uh, there were footsteps and there was a weird uh, note left in the car seat next to And you never get any answers to those questions. Yeah. Um, you just develop this sense of fear and a um, paranoia, maybe, depending on how close you are to whatever is going on. Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe that's all this movie was trying to do was sort of 
maybe there was a story, but it was intentionally not telling you everything just to create that sort of um, legend being passed on this uh, right. this this tale. Yeah. Um, and so you just have a bizarre series of, you know, tidbits and yeah and clues. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a good approach to the movie. I I hadn't been thinking of of Blair Witch or you know found footage mm-hmm. um, for it, and I think that's that's really right on. Um, that's a good comparison. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, um, I'm appreciating the movie more and more <laughs> as we talk. <laughs> Well, if I hadn't if I hadn't watched hours and hours of crappy found footage movies, I would have never come up with that comparison. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, it's just so unsettling the way it's not to harp on that, but it's it's kind of jarring how it starts with all of the crew mm-hmm. sounds. Yeah, uh, you're like, what what is what is happening? Right, <laughs> and then we never hear them again. We never. You know, we don't right. we don't hear her being we don't hear anyone interviewing her, right? Uh, so maybe all that's just <laughs> part of her insanity too. I don't know, <laughs> no clue. Yeah. So, uh, if we can, can we talk audio for a second? Yeah, sure. Uh, we don't have to talk about it too long, uh, mostly because there's not a lot as far as music and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, uh, what did you think of 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 the sound in this movie um i i can't say that i i don't think anything really stood out to me in terms of sound Mm -hmm. um at least i don't i mean i don't have any notes about it specifically right um so um no it's it's i mean at times it's very it's very quiet Mm-hmm. Um, and so when there, uh, when there is kind of a, a shock, a shocking moment, it, it stands out that much more. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I didn't have too much on the, the actual sound. Well, um, what about you? I think what you just said is what I was thinking, which is that they were very careful about where they used it. Yeah. They were very, um, very thrifty mm-hmm. on the use of it. And I think that was one of the reasons this also made me think of found footage movies, because they don't use fa- music in found footage. There is no soundtrack in, right. found, in found footage movies. Um, and I thought it really lent to the eeriness of where they were. Mm-hmm. And what was happening. Um, yeah. And then the party scene that we've mentioned so many times uh, with the great camera work, uh, how chaotic all that conversation is as as everything sort of closes in on the couple. Uh, yeah. The anxiety of, of where they are and what everyone's saying. Um, I just, I thought, uh, I thought noise was interesting in this one. It, it sort of did stand out for me in that there wasn't a lot of it and it was seemed to be very um and um carefully thought out yeah i think it adds to the 
feeling of isolation mm. mm-hmm. um, of the main character. And yeah, um, yeah, just just like you said, it just adds to the, the eeriness of it. Yeah. What else you got on this movie? Um, well, um, talking about artists, mm-hmm. as the main character is, um, he doesn't seem to have a very high opinion of himself as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's asked about that, he's um, basically says he's he's uh, considered an artist for lack of a better word and um, doesn't really, he didn't set out to have his work recognized or something along those lines. So he doesn't really, um, he seems to almost resent that his work is is recognized by people or that he gets attention Mm -hmm. um and um i i i guess i had a feeling that that um that was supposed to be kind of another message of the movie somehow um but i again wasn't sure how it played into the rest of the film necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know if he had a take on that or not, but in uh, trying to keep in mind who was doing this movie, mm-hmm. um, I I suppose some of those comments and things like that, which I often think about with the few um, the few artist theme movies that I watch, not even necessarily tortured, but just. Um, when an artist is doing something about artists, mm-hmm. I feel like there's lots of personal interjections being made. Right. And with some of those, I suppose I sort of toss them up to uh, just some sort of personal expression he was making. Um, right. But with that said, I mean, the character, like you said, the character was pretty much like that through the whole movie. Um, yeah. And... Uh, it could have been sort of, um, I don't know, I'm really reaching with this next comment, <laughs> but, uh, you know, maybe it was something about, you know, um, how much do you, how much do you give um, in terms of what you uh, get as being an artist? Mm. Does that make any sense? So, uh, like, uh, does that make any sense? <laughs> I I think so. I think it does. Um, yeah, because it's. I mean, like, how much of your how much of yourself do you put into something? Right. Um, that uh, you know, for other people to um, consume, basically. Right, because when we look back at the party. They were kind of taking little jabs at him. Yeah. And, you know, he's obviously somebody who's lived this life and, um, and, and, you know, maybe him being reluctant to put it out there is, is like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm done being vulnerable for that reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, you put all the work and effort into something for it never to be good enough. 
and then he loses himself um, in the process. Yeah. So, again, again, dark room, taking a shot in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it, it definitely, um, I had a thought that the movie really did seem like Bergman trying to work through some stuff. Yeah. Um, and you know, what, uh, what all of those things are, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but, um, it did seem very uh, personal. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah it's um it just kind of comes out in in some bizarre ways <laughs> yeah it does <laughs> yes it does i think uh i think some of the writing though was uh if we can talk about writing just momentarily mm -hmm. i think some of the writing was uh, pretty intriguing some of the choices of words that were used and probably the the way it would be awfully mundane Mm -hmm. And then something would slip in that would, you know, um, be significant to what was going on. Mm -hmm. And the one scene that I'm thinking about in particular is probably the one where she's going over their budget. Yeah. And she's talking about all the things that they've spent money on and that they need. And she mentions, I think, a blanket or something. Mm -hmm. And she says, for when I sleep alone. Oh, yeah. And she just slips that in so casually. Like, she doesn't say it any differently than the rest of the things she's just listing off. Right. Um, but it's like a significant, a very significant couple of words. Yeah. Um, that if you were halfway paying attention, you'd, you'd miss. You know, if you were doing something mm -hmm. else and sort of watching this like we do casual movies sometimes. Yeah. Um, but yet it was sort of that one of the early signifiers that something was obviously wrong and she was aware of it. Yeah. So hmm. there was little tidbits like that I noticed throughout the movie and I thought, well, that's kind of, that's kind of neat writing. If you, if you just really hang in there with some of the things that seem every day. Yeah, um, that's true. So, but you're, you're a fan of um, Quentin Tarantino, aren't you? Oh, yes. Yeah, big fan. He, he loves to do stuff like that, too, where he just goes on what seems about nothing or mm -hmm. his, or his characters. Um, yeah. And then there'll be some... Sometimes there's nothing in it, in my opinion. Sometimes sometimes <laughs> there is, though, uh, in, his, in, that, in the writing style. But mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah, that's definitely true. I think um, in his films, there are definitely... Um, a lot of long dialogue scenes and um it I, I would say it pretty much always adds to um it adds to something or it is setting up something for later on right um but yeah i, I didn't have much on the the writing for this film necessarily um fair enough it's um it's a very kind of experiential film and um i guess i didn't focus too as much on the the writing of it necessarily yeah. i was just kind of going along for the ride it would be hard to do as a to 
to do that as a full script, like mm-hmm. to to really um, talk about the writing in terms of it being good or not, yeah. uh, as a whole script. And that's kind of why it was just those little things, those little moments that I really uh, enjoyed. They were like little nuggets, yeah, buried in in the middle of some pretty dry dialogue. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know that I have too much else on the film. Um, there is some. Uh, I mean, we've we've talked a bit about um, some of the bizarre images, mm-hmm. um, and there's. I mean, there's some stuff like uh, where the that one older lady is like taking her face off. Oh yes. At one point late yes. in the film and uh the guy is the guy who walks on the wall and then on the ceiling. Oh and, my gosh, yes. Um yeah, and that the, freaked me out a little bit. Yeah. Um stuff like that that again, I don't know what it means or if there is any deeper um you know, anything deeper behind it or not, but they are um they are again very striking images that mm-hmm. stay with you and um you know uh yeah i just i don't know i don't know what they add up to or if they're intended to <laughs> to add up yeah well you know if if there isn't any other additional message behind it i mean it it's mm, the implications that if this is all really happening, mm-hmm. um, sort of uh, implicates something pretty, pretty horrific going on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, because of what these people are doing. And I will tell yeah. you, I don't know why. If I had seen this when I was a kid, I probably would have slept for days. Yeah, because uh, some of it was the the two scenes you're talking about really bugged me. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) the walking on the scene most of it was kind of like unexpected because you don't expect to see those sorts of things in older films Mm -hmm. and they did it very well yeah like it was very smooth how he did Mm -hmm. that yeah yeah they pulled that off very well and um yeah just kind of by cutting back and forth Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's simple, but it's effective. Yeah, but he's already, like, when he first gets on, I don't know if it's from the floor to the wall or from the wall to the ceiling, but one of those he's mm-hmm. already, and I know they, I can see how they could have done it, but I still think it was very smart. Yeah. Um, How he moved. There was one shot where they didn't really cut away, but he was also already bent in a strange position, and he may have already been... Uh, that right. may have been part of the trick. Yeah. Um, but it was still very well done. Yeah. Yeah. Did you did you have any other thoughts on the film? Um, I don't think so. I think um, I think I've said most of it. Uh, if if people, I think if people do enjoy. Um, obscure um, storylines 
Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if you're somebody who did enjoy something like the Blair Witch Project or um, yeah. some of these movies, even even um, Mother. Yeah. Um, you could probably find something enjoyable out of this and also realizing that they did it many, many, many years earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just, I, I, you know, if anything, I'm just sort of, I'm always blown away coming across a movie from this period that is so um, ahead of its time and outside of the norm and off the beaten path yeah. uh, compared to other movies. Yeah. So that's, I think that's pretty much all I have about this one. All right. So you, do you have anything else? Um, no, I think that's, that's about it for me. Um, yeah, it's a movie that I, um, I enjoyed overall. Um, I didn't love it, but I feel like if I were to watch it again, uh, I think, uh, my opinion would go up a bit. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Well, um... Cool. I'm. I'm. I like. I said. I knew if nothing else, it would be interesting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to talk about. So. Yeah. Uh, and if we have anybody that's listening that does give the movie a try, I think. I think I would be interested in hearing other people's thoughts on it. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, some other people may see some things that we missed or um, mm-hmm. put together some puzzle pieces that we didn't. So. Yeah. Uh, be kind of cool. Ber- some Bergman experts out there can put us in our place yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm sure they're out there (laughs) oh yeah so well um how about we move on to our top five list sounds good to me whoop whoop (laughs) um now like i said i haven't your list is probably going to be better than mine because i realize there's a lot of stuff that i have not seen okay um but um after a little bit of hitting my head against the wall. I think I come up with an uh, acceptable list. Yeah. So did you have any definitions or rules or anything with your list? Um, no, not too much. Um, just for the, uh, for the listeners, um, as far as artists go, mm-hmm. we're talking about any creative um, sort of job. It could be... Writers, directors, uh, musicians, dancers, um, painters. Um, so pretty broad definition of, yeah. of artist. I think probably most people might, uh, you know, hear the word artist and think painter, but we're opening it up to pretty much everything. So Yeah. yeah. I For my list, I did avoid, avoid musical artists okay just because i felt like there's quite a few of those Mm -hmm. that i could have gone down a rabbit hole and never returned (laughs) so for me personally i I went ahead and uh cut those out for for this list okay just just so everybody knows yeah so um who wants to start would you like to start um yeah i can kick things off here okay what you got? So my number five. Terrible. It, 
No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, my number five is a film called Barton Fink. Okay. Um, this is by the Coen Brothers. Uh, it stars John Turturro and John Goodman uh, from 1991. And um, this movie centers on a um, a writer. Uh, he has been writing plays and... Um, he gets, he's, I believe he's writing in New York, and then he gets a call uh, to go to Hollywood to uh, write a screenplay. And uh, this film takes place, um, I believe, in the 1940s. Um, and um, the writer is played by John Turturro, and he's kind of a cocky guy, and um, he's kind of a kind of hoity-toity, as you might say. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so when he gets the job to write this kind of, um, oh, this kind of B-level screenplay, he, um, you know, doesn't really give it a whole lot of thought, just thinks this will be a breeze, and um, he ends up um, getting writer's block. And um, the movie is... Um, it takes kind of a, oh, kind of a more bizarre turn. It, it gets sort of darker as, as it goes along. Um, and it's very, um, it's also very psychological. I guess it's a bit like Hour of the Wolf. Um, and um, he, um, uh, Barton Fink just, one of the things is he just can't, relate to the common man and that's kind of what gives him uh the trouble writing the screenplay which uh, is uh, it's a wrestling movie that he's trying to write Mm. um and uh john goodman um he's uh, they're both staying at this hotel um and um john goodman's kind of the the he uh forms a, a friendship with him and um but um and that kind of gets darker uh along the way um but uh i like this movie um for uh, the same reasons i like any coen brothers film uh, there's great dialogue mm-hmm. um there's dark humor to it and it uh it looks really great, um, and there's great performances by Turturro and Goodman. Um, it's um, it's just this descent into madness that um, I I feel like that movie is another one that um, it would be difficult to interpret as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I enjoy the ride so. Um, yeah, that's my number five. Hmm. I have not seen it, but I, I have heard of it. Yeah. Um, and I do like the actors, so. Yeah. Something I would have to, uh, check out sometime. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, well, my number five is a, um, a movie that um, centers around a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It is directed by Baz Luhrmann, who, oh, okay. who, who I'm a huge fan of his uh, wacky um, style of filmmaking, usually, not everything, but... Mm-hmm. Um, and I chose uh, Christian from Moulin Rouge. Okay. Um, I think it's a... Uh, this writer is, is uh, working on... From, it's been a while since I've seen him, but if I remember correctly, he's working on a a show. And the uh, when he goes to work on it, he meets the actress and uh, falls in love mm-hmm. with her. But she's promised to someone else um, in exchange for um, production money to have mm-hmm. the the production go on. So it's kind of like it's this weird uh, catch twenty two where his art has prevented him from getting the girl. Sort of, yeah. but it's also the thing that introduced him to her. So uh, he's sort of, sort of stuck in a terrible position. And uh, for those that have not seen the movie, it does not have the happiest of endings. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love, uh, I love Lerman's stories usually because they come across like a, a sort of like adult. Uh, or mature fairy tales or fables. They're a little on the quirky side, mm-hmm. um, heavy in emotion, um, heavy in the star-crossed lover Romeo and Juliet kind of kind of thing. And um, and I feel like I'm in another world uh, with his movies. Um, mm-hmm. And this one really hit me hard. I thought it had such uh, strong energy, uh, creative rearrangements of music, and then the love story center, a tragic love story centered around uh, Christian, who's played by Ewan McGregor, and Satine, who's played by Nicole Kidman. Um, and the, the whole, the whole uh, heavy art, um, uh, what do you call it, bohemian sort of lifestyle mm. thing is is a beautiful backdrop uh, yeah. for this tragic story of, of this guy and, and him uh, him feeling like he's going to descend into madness and depression yeah. um, having to work with her but having to not being able to have her sort of thing yeah so uh, that's why I choose chose Moulin Rouge from 2001 all right, it's a good choice. Thanks. Uh, do you like that? Do you like the movie? I I like it. I don't love it. Fair um, enough. It's um, I don't know. It's probably not not my typical style. Yeah. Um, it's a little um, oh, I don't know what the right word would be. It's 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 very big. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, and you're not a huge fan sure. of musicals, are you? I I don't get too into musicals. Yeah. Um, there are there are a few that I really enjoy. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, not not typically. Okay. So, um, but good choice. Thank you. Uh, my number four is a film called Whiplash. Okay. And this stars Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons uh, from a few years ago. Um, And this one is about a musician, a drummer, who is um, 
he's at this uh, very competitive uh, music conservatory and uh, trying to get into the, the top class there. And um, the, the movie is really um, kind of about how much someone is willing to, to give in order to be great at what they do. And, um, and, uh, this kid gives quite a bit, um, he's, he's very kind of obsessive about, um, getting better and better. And, um, the teacher played by uh, JK Simmons is, um, just this real cutthroat guy, mm -hmm. um, who drives, uh, Miles Teller crazy basically <laughs> <laughs> and um, the movie has um, a real kinetic energy to it um, the editing is amazing um, and um, yeah the performances as well are, are top notch uh, by the two leads hmm. um, and um, it gets it gets a little bit um a little bit more outlandish towards the end but um it really didn't matter to me um i was so into the story by that point that it didn't didn't matter um so hmm. um yeah it's, it's a thoroughly entertaining film and um yeah, I'd encourage anybody to to seek it out if they haven't watched it. How old of a movie is that? Uh, it's from 2014. Okay. Huh. Well, I do like Simmons. I've uh I've always liked him in in things. Um, yeah. But I I don't think I've ever heard of that movie before. Oh, okay. So interesting okay yeah well my um my number we're on number four yeah my number four is a 2010 movie um and someone who who has become probably in my top like without sitting down and making the list probably my top 12 directors um, mm -hmm. Darren Aronofsky. Yep. Um, I am talking about Black Swan. I thought this one would come up. <laughs> um, Natalie Portman plays Nina, mm -hmm. uh, who is a ballerina. Did not mean to rhyme that so well. <laughs> um, but she, uh, what I love about this movie, she's just got this um, ambition that um, I identify with, and I think a lot of people who are passionate about something identify with, where you really want to be the best and you want to be noticed, and mm -hmm. um, yet it seems like no matter how hard you're working at it, no matter how hungry you are for it, you feel like you keep getting passed over mm -hmm. um, by by someone else. And the movie, in in what appears to be true Aronofsky fashion, is a bit of a mind twist. Mm -hmm. um, there are a couple of points in it. Um, her 
her uh, evolution from the beginning to the end of the film, I think, is um, wonderfully done. Um, a bit harrowing. Mm-hmm. And um, to the point where her character is giving up uh, some of her goodness to to um, to get what she wants to get this this role this position, mm-hmm. um, and it's just like but uh, it was one of the first movies I think I watched like that that was um, that was so. Um, figurative in some ways and literal in other ways and kind of like visuals that you went, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But way uh, much easier to decipher what everything means in this one, I think, than um, than, uh, definitely than Hour of the Wolf, but Mm -hmm. um, easier to decipher even than Mother or some of the other more um, abstract movies that are made. Um, Right. But it does not take away, despite how how easy it is to decipher, it does not take away from me how good and how intense uh, the movie is and how uh, great of a job Natalie Portman does uh, convincing us that she's uh, pretty ferocious and um, sacrificial uh, yeah. to, to, get, to get what she wants. Yeah. So... My number four is Black Swan. Very good pick. Very good pick. Thank you. And that's why it is my number three. Shut up. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, kind of uh, similar to my previous pick, Whiplash, um, just in terms of of it being about characters who are you know, willing to give so much, uh, in order to be, in order to excel at, at what they're doing. Um, like you said, and, um, yeah, I, I love it for, you know, for all the reasons that you just kind of broke down and, um, yeah, Natalie Portman, I mean, that's <laughs> pro- probably her best performance thus far. Um, mm-hmm arguably but yeah um and yeah this is another another movie that is really um it's very kind of haunting at times mm-hmm. um it um basically turns into a horror film <laughs> by the end um, yeah it does have <laughs> <laughs> yeah and um yeah <laughs> sorry i just <laughs> like we're talking about, i don't know it's just odd like if you haven't seen the movie and then we're all talking about it's a ballerina and she's really ambitious right. and these whole, and then it turns into a horror movie <laughs> oh gosh sorry uh, yeah <laughs> struck me funny go yeah. ahead yeah <laughs> but it's true <laughs> uh, yeah it's, it's true um yeah the um uh, cinematography is uh, really stand out and mm-hmm. Um, of course the music as well. Um, yeah, very, uh, just very well directed, very well acted, um, and a, a compelling look at, at an artist and, uh, what they go through in order to, um, be great. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, uh, that's my number three, Black Swan. I don't know why that I'm both surprised and excited that that was on your list. Yeah. 
One, because I know you like Aronofsky, and I know you. I think we've talked about Black Swan a few times. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I just it surprised me and, and made me happy. Mm. That was cool. on your list. So, um, all right. Well, my number three video uh, movie. I mm-hmm. said video. What's wrong with me? <laughs> um, our number three music video on the countdown is... <laughs> um, no, I I hated doing this because I, I normally try to limit, like... I try my best not to overindulge on any particular thing when we're doing mm-hmm. these top ten lists. You know what I mean? Like, if we were yeah. to do a horror movie list, I don't want to do, like, all Alfred Hitchcock movies or right. something like that. But um, but I really, really love this movie, and I really loved um, the torture element. And I will explain it as I go on. But I, for number three, I chose Mother. Okay. Um and that, which is kind of an odd choice because um, the artist in this is is him, which is played by um, I can never say his name, but um, Javier Bardem. Thank you. I feel like I had a stroke whenever I say his name, and I don't say <laughs> it right. So, um, but yes, so, um, so he's kind of he is tortured as he's struggling through a part of the movie trying to. Uh, get this creation, uh, this this writing, um, which in turn causes great suffering for his uh, wife, played by Jennifer Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Um, I chose him because I feel like even though he, it's sort of like a accepted torture mm. to me, um, because I didn't feel like in the movie that he didn't love his wife or love, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I realize that the, uh, the analogies and, and, and everything, the symbolism of all the movie, but just looking at it as, as it was told, uh, yeah. bare bones, I felt like, uh, I felt like he loved his wife and he was this creator and, um, and, but he had to, in order to do what he was doing, he had to sort of accept, um, uh, the world around him sort of being torn apart. Um, This is another movie that's kind of up there with Hour of the Wolf in a lot of ways as far as like being able to sit down and having a whole bunch thrown at you and trying to figure out what all of it means. Um, But but this movie had a huge impact on me and I know a lot of people did not care for it. but I thought it was an interesting interpretation of things and an imp- and looking at it um, as, like I said, as sort of a as straightforward as you can with a movie like yeah. that. Um, looking at him as this artist, I never got the impression that he um, that he was unaware of all of the awfulness that was going on but just sort of accepted it as his destiny, mm. which doesn't make it any less uh, of a torture, even if he's uh, accepting it. Mm. So uh, that's why I chose number three, um, the musical comedy <laughs> by <laughs> <laughs> called Mother. Uh, so, All right. I know, bizarre choice, I know. 
Yeah, yeah. That's uh yeah, that was a very uh very divisive film and mm-hmm. I mean I can I can understand why. And, yeah. Um but um yeah, I I appreciate that choice. Thanks. So number two? Number two for me is Synecdoche, New York. And wow. this is a film from 2008, uh, directed by Charlie Kaufman, and uh, has a great ensemble cast. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's in it, uh, Michelle Williams, Catherine Keener, um, Emily Watson, um, many others. Um, and this is... Um, it's another film about a writer, um, uh, actually, a, I guess a writer director. He's um, trying to put together a play, and he's received this um, oh, this big grant to do it, um, which uh, basically will allow him to um, have a, a really big budget and and do whatever he wants, and he. Um, he wants to, uh, he basically strives for, um, I, I guess you'd say perfection. He's, he's trying to, um, write something really profound that will, um, say something about the human condition. And he, um, I guess he kind of has the opposite of writer's block, in that he just keeps on coming up with with idea after idea and the play gets um, expanded so much that uh, they're eventually doing it in an old uh, like aircraft hangar or something um, hmm. and this is another movie that um, it it takes a turn for the bizarre and um and symbolic um and um yeah it's it's kind of a movie about uh it's about many different things and um i'm sure has many different interpretations to it um it's it's uh not uh not straightforward at all um there's uh there's a lot to this one and um i mean you could you could watch it you know 20 times and take away 20 different things from it so Hmm. um but um yeah this this one is i mean i'm sure this one is also kind of a divisive movie um i could i could easily see people not liking it um but i i happen to love it and um and get new things out of it all the time so um yeah and i i like the score uh wanted to mention that by john bryan he's a favorite composer of mine um and um yeah it's i, I mean it's a I don't know what the budget was for this movie, but I, I think it was fairly low, and um, I think they do a pretty good job pulling off just the the scale of it, because um, it gets 
you know, it gets fairly uh, ambitious after a while. Hmm. So, and what's this called? Uh, it's called Synecdoche, New York. Can you spell that? Uh, it's S Y N E C D O C H E. Hmm. And New York? No, I'm kidding. I know how to spell that. <laughs> um, I'll have to. That sounds intriguing. Yeah, I I would be curious um, what you thought of that one. How long has it been since you've seen it? Um. Oh, I probably watched it. Um, oh, two or three years ago, last time. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll have to uh, get my hands on that and uh, let you know what I think. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. All right. Um. We're we're at number two. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, my number two choice is based on the sheer, um, presumed, presumed suffering of the character of the artist. Okay. Um, it's also a good movie, I think. Um, and I won't get into it too much because we just discussed it today. <laughs> mm. And I'm going with Johan from uh, Hour of the Wolf. Okay. Um. I really felt for him, and I felt like even though we weren't 100% sure of his story, mm-hmm. something obviously major had gone on mm-hmm. in his life. This was sort of like, this movie was more like, uh, or his character in this movie was more like um, watching the after effects of whatever he's gone through, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to all, uh, most of these other movies where we're watching The Descent yeah. Um I feel like whatever's caused his issues a lot of he's he's gone through some major stuff by the time they arrive on this island. And um I think he did, like I said earlier he does a good job of carrying the weight of whatever this emotional uh, baggage is. Yeah. Uh, acting wise. Mhm. Um and so I liked him enough to put him all the way up at number 2. All right. Plus, I didn't know that many tortured artists in movies. <laughs> I had a few more, but he, but they, I felt like he was um, much more, uh, a, a much better choice for me than than the others that I had. So. Yeah. Okay. Um. All right. So we're down to my number one. I'm nervous. <laughs> Hold me. I'm kidding. <laughs> and it is adaptation. Hmm. Um, this is a 2002 film um, directed by Spike Jones and written by Charlie Kaufman. I'm a big Charlie Kaufman fan, as you can tell. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so this is about uh, this is about another writer, and um, he gets a a major case of writer's block. Um, and um, he's played by Nicolas Cage, um, and uh, he actually uh, he has a dual performance in this movie. He plays twin brothers, um, hmm. and um, one is um, is trying to write this screenplay, and um, his brother uh, is uh, he's s- sort of the opposite of of him he's much more um 
carefree and um, just kind of take life as it as it comes. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas um, Charlie, the main character, uh, is um, he's very neurotic and um, has a lot of uh, a lot of issues. Um, he's he doesn't have much self confidence and. Um, so he's struggling to write this screenplay and um it just kind of goes through all of the the torment that he has with that um and i i love this movie for um the humor uh, it's one of the funniest movies uh, that i've seen um but a- as funny as it is it also can be very touching at times um, and very profound as well. Um, and it has some great supporting performances uh, by Meryl Streep and Chris Cooper. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both excellent in the movie. And um, yeah, I, I love everything about this movie. I love the look of it. Um, I love the score by Carter Burwell. Um, and, uh, just the, um, just the different ideas that the movie tackles, um, it's, um, it's really unique, and, um, I mean, really the, the screenplay is sort of the highlight, um, just because it's about, uh, the movie becomes a, about the writing of the movie itself mm-hmm. um and um so that's uh, kind of an interesting spin on things and you know not uh, something that i had ever uh, seen before really mm-hmm. um so yeah uh, it's just uh, an excellent all-around movie um one of my all-time favorites now that was nominated for some awards wasn't it uh yes and i think uh chris cooper won for uh best supporting actor okay uh i haven't seen that one i think i just sort of forgot about it to be honest after yeah um so that may be one i have to pick up and yeah. check out so uh i like that it there you mentioned humor because most of these that we've mentioned have um <laughs> have little in the way of humor so yeah yeah <laughs> so that's kind of refreshing yeah okay well you've given me uh given me a handful of movies to check out yeah yeah so i'll have to I'll have to do that um yeah. my number one um as i was trying to figure out who to put in this category i think this one was um more uh uh, I mean, it definitely fits in what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll quit with the introduction. I will just say <laughs> that it is, I chose the person. So the movie itself isn't necessarily about. Okay. Anyway, I, I chose Jack Torrance. Okay. From The Shining. Yep. Uh, Cause he starts off, he's got, uh, he's got writer's block, which is a pain in the. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's already kind of dealing with that. It's obviously not, you know, some huge issue, but, but as the movie goes on, he obviously derails and, um, mm-hmm. and we all know that story. It's one of your favorites. And, yeah. um, 
And if people don't know about The Shining by this point, uh, I'm not going to be giving that away for free. So, um, so yeah, I chose him just because he's kind of iconic and sort of uh, um, his his crazy stretches far and wide. Um, his uh, the level of torture that he goes through through the movie, and I know he's like uh, sort of the uh, quote unquote villain in a way, mm-hmm. chasing his family down, but. Um, He's also the victim of, of uh, in his own right, of his surroundings. Yeah. So I felt like it was a justified character and probably the most well-known out of my list that I made. Um, and so I chose uh, chose Jack Torrance from The Shining. Yeah. Yeah, I, I considered, uh, considered that one. But, yeah, um, yeah I, I guess... Um, I don't know. I I had some others that. Um, I mean, The Shining. It's uh, of course a great movie, and mm-hmm. if you haven't haven't heard about The Shining, you know, <laughs> what are you what are you doing with your life? <laughs> right. Um, right. Um, so yeah, it's a good choice. Good choice. I think it's on Netflix. So if you're listening and you haven't seen <laughs> it, as soon as this is over, go watch it. <laughs> it's worth it. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. I ha- uh, did you have some honorable mentions? I did. Um, I had one. This is really odd. So I had one that I actually originally had as number one. Okay. But I took it off because it has been so long since I've seen it, and I'm not a hundred percent sure of all of the details to to brag about it. You know, as being one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, and I literally haven't seen it since probably like the late nineties. Yeah. Uh, and it is a movie called total eclipse. Hmm. Uh, have you ever heard of it? I don't think I have. Uh, it has David Thewlis and Leonardo DiCaprio, okay. a, a young Leonardo DiCaprio. And, mm-hmm. um, it is about a poet Um, who he and his wife meet this young 16-year-old boy, and the 16-year-old ends up uh, seducing the poet, and they sort of have this weird fling of a relationship, and um, during this time he becomes uh, so infatuated with uh, this rambunctious um, 16-year-old, he becomes... the poet becomes an addict um, and uh, struggles with his wife, who he doesn't want to leave. And the the whole thing has a, a terribly tragic ending. But it's a it's fascinating to watch it transpire. You just see this train wreck of a of, of decisions being made, sort of in the heat of the moment um, that mm. he gets caught up in. Um, and I it was on my list, and what I remember of it was was great but again um it's been so long you know and sometimes you do that and then you go back and watch a movie and you're like oh well this was utter crap what was i (laughs) what was i thinking i don't think it is because it's um it's still it has it has decent reviews and and the acting's really good and i'm not a huge leonardo DiCaprio fan but um but i i remember this movie sort of sticking out to me and and um was wonderfully done from what I remember. Hmm. So. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and the only other one I had on my list, um, I sort of just jotted it down, but it's probably, 
not quite what we were going for. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, you know, you I was writing my list and I was just like, I'm going to write down all the artists who have had horrible things happen to them and mm-hmm. sort of uh, spiral into darkness or whatever. But I, I wrote down Sinister, uh, the horror movie with uh, Ethan Hawke. Oh, okay. Uh, he's a writer and, and a bunch of bad stuff happens to him. But in the vein of what we're talking about, that really kind of falls far from the tree of uh, a quote-unquote tortured artist so Mm -hmm. uh like getting beat up isn't make you a tortured artist um right so uh so really total eclipse is my only legitimate addition to my to my list or okay to my honorable mentions yeah what about you good sir um i've got a few um yeah i i kind of I struggled a little bit making this list. I I thought that there would be more choices um, that I'd seen, but um, mm. it was a little bit narrower uh, topic than I thought. Yeah. Um, but I've got a few here. Okay. Um, I have The Red Shoes. Okay. Um, which is, uh, it's an older film from 1948, I believe. Um, and I kind of, um, uh, this was sort of a toss up in a way between, uh, this and Black Swan because they're sort of similar. Um, they're both about dancers and, um, the th- themes are kind of similar. Um, and, uh, it's about this dancer who becomes the lead in, in a play and, um, it's, you know, kind of about, um, you know, how far she'll go for, for greatness and, um, but, um, yeah, I, I thought that it was, it's very well done. It's, um, it's, uh, got great cinematography. It's, uh, this is a, it's a color film and, um, has uh, a great, great restoration of it um from what i saw um so yeah uh, highly highly recommend that one uh how long ago have you seen did you see that uh, i saw it this year um and before that hmm? and before that oh for the first time this year oh okay yeah, yeah. okay I thought you had uh, mentioned that before for some reason, but it must have been something else. Yeah, yeah, I'd only seen it uh, a few months ago. Okay. Um, and I also have Birdman hmm. um, with Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. Um, thought that was a very, um, very well done film. Very impressive in terms of um, just the filmmaking itself. Um, doing a lot of well exclusively long takes mm-hmm. uh for the film and um and I really I'm a big Michael Keaton fan and I think that this is this was kind of a uh big comeback film for him right. in a way um and uh, deservedly so I think he's really great in the movie and um playing a um an actor who's uh, putting on a play, uh, directing and and performing in it, and 
going through all of the the struggles uh, involved in that. Um, so that is on my honorable mentions. Cool. Um, one that I saw um, very recently, like uh, last week, uh, is a film called Limelight. Hmm. And uh, this is a Charlie Chaplin film. Um, it's one of his later movies. Uh, it's from 1952. And um, he plays kind of a washed up uh, vaudeville performer. Um, and it's about um, him and a, a younger woman who he is kind of taken under his wing. Um, and she she's a dancer and... Um, starts to gain uh, great success and he um, kind of continues to um, kind of uh, fall fall back in popularity mm-hmm. um, and um, yeah I thought this was a really good movie um, uh, it's very um, has a lot to say about um, a lot to say about life and about not giving up and um yeah very very well acted and um so that's that's also an honorable mention um mm-hmm. i also thought of amadeus mm-hmm. um which uh, it's been a very long time since i have seen that one um so i didn't put it on the list, but um, I do remember that being a very, very impressive movie. Um, great performances in that one, um, but don't have a whole lot to say about it um, <laughs> other than that. Um, and I also thought of Eight and a Half, the Fellini film, um, which I've not seen that one in a a very long time. Um, so details are a little shaky on that, but um, that is another uh, very famous example of of a tortured artist in a film. So I thought I'd give it a mention. Yeah. Um, and I would like to rewatch that at some point. Hmm. Okay. I've, I've not seen that one yeah. at all. So, huh. Cool. Yeah. Interesting list. Yeah. Um, you are an artist. Oh, I I don't know. I, <laughs> I use that term for lack of a better word. And <laughs> but the real question is, are you tortured? That's the oh, real question. <laughs> I go through hell to make my art. And... No, I, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> um, it's... Uh... It's beautiful work, so oh, thank you. Hopefully, people will will check it out. Yeah, um, I'm for those that don't know. I'm talking about his photography. Yes, um, uh, he does some wonder, really wonderful uh, photography. So oh, thank you. Yeah, um, I think you could probably sell those as stock photos and become yeah become rich and famous. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> But anyway, that's uh that was a good list, a good uh, good rundown of some movies I hadn't thought of and hadn't heard of and 
Um, yeah. Like you said, it's not a, as much as it seems to be a trope sometimes, it's funny how few we've watched or mm -hmm. uh, are familiar with. So, yeah. Uh, I'll have to get, get cracking on our tortured artist knowledge. Yes. So, um, well, I, do you have anything else you want to add? Any news? Any, anything? Um, before we... No, not too much, really. Um, I know an episode or two ago, we were lamenting the loss of Filmstruck. Yeah. And um, I guess uh, there has been some good news out of that in that the um, that Criterion is now going to have its own streaming service oh. uh, called the Criterion Channel. Wonderful. Um, so that will be happening next year sometime. I don't I don't know when exactly, but um so yeah, that will I'm sure be a good source of of old movies uh for people to watch. Yeah. Huh. Fan fantastic. That's great to hear. Yeah. Uh we'll have to um maybe utilize that in the future. Yeah. And uh, for some of our movies, well, some of the movies we've had have been a little harder to uh, come across than others. Mm -hmm. So uh, it'll be nice to have something stepping in where um, where the other site's going away. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, cool. Let's, yeah. um, let's uh, give people an email address so they can... Uh, they can write us with questions and comments and thoughts about our reviews. Yeah. What is that, Aaron? That is cinemasnobspod at gmail.com. Yeah, write us and uh, tell us what you think of the show. And um, if you've seen Hour of the Wolf, give your thoughts on that and tell us how, how wrong we were or how <laughs> right we were or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, because I this uh, makes it really interesting to have a movie like that where people can uh, share their interpretations of what's going on. So yeah, it'd be cool. Yeah, um, and you also have a Letterboxd account. I do. Yes, um, I'm on Letterboxd as Moban, and uh, that's the same as my Twitter handle, which is at Moban, mm -hmm. M O B A N. Cool. Um, so yeah, and that's where you can find me online. Well, guess what? <gasps> I've got Did one you? too. Oh, uh, I actually made it this morning when I was like, "Oh, I said I was going to do that before our next, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for our next episode." So yeah, uh, if you want to find me, you can do so at Liubliana seventy six, and that is spelled L J U B L J A N A seventy six. Um, I'd be happy to connect with people. All right. So, um, and I'll, Aaron, I'll just send that to you in a message so you can find it. Okay. <laughs> so th that, that was an old name from high school. It's a Yugoslavian town. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so the spelling's a little different for, for us. Um, All right. So anyway, well, cool. I had a great time. I hope you did. Yeah, definitely. 
cool. Yeah, if it was you, a good discussion. Yeah, it really was. Um, if you had said you didn't, I was going to cry and just end the episode. So um, <laughs> last thing you'd hear would be my tortured tears. Um, <laughs> so I guess we'll uh, get ready and plan something fun and exciting for our next episode. Yeah, definitely. Uh, in the meantime, have I forgotten anything? Um, no, I don't think so. That's all I can think of anyways. Okay. Well, I'm going to go torture an order, uh, torture an artist. Why don't you, uh, (laughs) why don't you, why don't you say goodnight? (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Until next time.